0: What's up everybody, I'm Yang and I'm back. Yeah, it's been a while, it's been a while. It's been about like three months since I made a YouTube video, had to figure some things out uh, for myself. You know, wanted to see if I really wanted to keep doing YouTube, if I wanted to keep doing this channel, if I wanted to keep doing movies or screenwriting, and uh, yes was the answer to all those questions. So now I'm back. And uh, Yeah, so we're back into it now. Um, I think we're gonna try to stick to a more Conservative schedule than before so I think I'm gonna go with two uploads a week Hopefully and today we're gonna get back into it with a review of a quiet place part two And before we get started with the review you might have noticed that the channel's name has changed because I wanted to focus this channel more on writing and not just screenwriting you know i've been getting into novel writing lately and i've been reading many more books and even uh, playing more games you know i want to focus more on the general topic of writing and not just screenwriting but having said that most of the content is still going to be around movies and screenwriting so don't worry too much if uh, novels and games aren't your thing sequels for me are tricky things you know like fundamentally a sequel job is to continue the story of the previous movie which requires the previous movie to have sequel potential you know like to have uh, a story to continue but the paradox is that if the first movie it was successful. It probably was a very well crafted, self-contained story, and probably didn't think too much about uh, setting up the sequel. But because it was successful, now you pe- Now you have to make a sequel. And like sequels are like a must for any box office success you know it was like this since the 1980s and it's only gotten more important you know with how much movies cost to make and market these days. As a result being able to create a sequel from a movie without inherent sequel potential has become quite an important skill even an art form that most screenwriters should be familiar with and if you're not familiar with this uh, craft then you should get familiar with it right away. A Quiet Place Part 2 is in my opinion a a competent movie. It delivers much more of the same that made the first movie memorable and well received but it doesn't do much more than that and for most people that's enough you know, that's not, That's worth the price of admission but for me i'm always looking at how can this concept be fulfilled to its maximum potential and for me a sequel should not just be to continue the story it should do much more it should uh, deepen the lore it should elaborate on the characters it should give or present the audience with never-before-seen spectacles bigger and better and more exciting. And part 2 does try to do that but for me it just doesn't do enough. So the following are just some of the things that it tried to do but didn't do very well and some of the areas where it could have been better. So yeah, spoiler warnings ahead. So if you haven't seen A Quiet Place Part 2, you can go watch it and then come back. And uh, yeah, here we go. So when a movie doesn't have inherent sequel potential or the ending of the first movie is very uh, definite, like part one, what the writers tend to do like a tactic that they use is in the beginning of the sequel they'll add in backstory uh, which will which they will then use to create new stories or fresh stories in the sequel and this is what part two does it starts off with an opening of when the monsters first arrived on earth or the planet or the or the village or the town and then we get to see this this new character being presented, Emmett, played by Killian Murphy, who is the new male lead and the central figure of the sequel. And then and you get the sense that the sequel will be around this character. This is a generally accepted practice and commonly used, and audiences you know accept it, but one of the things that writers need to worry about is retconning the first movie. Uh, Retcon, for those who don't know, stands for retroactive continuity, which means that in the sequel, in order for the story to be bigger and better, we're going a different direction they'll use backstory in the sequel to change stuff that was established in the first movie. While it might be shocking to the audience and can free up the sequel to go in a different direction, it's extremely unnatural and should be avoided at all costs. Unfortunately, Part 2 does avoid this pitfall, it doesn't retcon anything, it just adds to it uh, with backstory in a believable way. And this again is with the new character Emmett, played by Killian Murphy, He's added into the story via the backstory and beginning of the sequel. Because they don't retcon anything, they don't expand on anything beyond this character, they put everything, they put all their eggs in the Killian Murphy Emmett basket. And unfortunately, it just doesn't pay off because they just don't, do enough with this character. So John Krasinski who plays Lee Abbott, the father of the Abbots, died in the first movie. So in the second movie, there is an opening for a new male lead. And Emmett, who is that male lead, had a number of options that he could have taken uh, when interacting with the abbots. The central idea of Emmett is that he's trying to replace Lee. We know this because Regan Abbott, the daughter of the abbots, uh stresses a couple times or three times, um, that uh, Emmett is nothing like her father, that he's not the man that Lee was, you know, all that stuff, right? So, there's this idea that Emmett is supposed to be a replacement for Lee, and then Regan's not happy about it, you know, that's like the thing. That's like the main emotional through line of this story. But the problem is that this idea of Emmett trying to replace Lee isn't in anywhere else in the story. Like, If he is trying to replace Lee, then we should see him actively trying to replace Lee. He doesn't have any sort of romantic relationship with Evelyn, Emily Blunt's character, Lee's wife or widow now, I guess. And he doesn't have any interaction with Marcus, uh, the younger boy. This could have been really interesting if they went all in on the Emmett trying to replace Lee story, you know? Like they could have had it where Evelyn and Emmett were romantically involved and then... But and then Evelyn met Lee and they got married, but then Emmett was never over it. You know, he was always in love with Evelyn. He's been trying to, like, get with her ever since, you know. There could have been a thing where, like, uh, Marcus, their younger son, is really Emmett and Evelyn's son. You know, that could have been an interesting dynamic. You know, th- and there were just plenty of choices that could have pushed this idea of Emmett trying to replace Lee further and make it the main emotional arc of this story but they don't make any of these choices instead Emmett's is given this really generic backstory where his son died during the invasion and then his wife got sick and then died later on and he's really you know messed up because of it like yeah that's a fine backstory and uh you know something that we've seen you know time and time again and it and it could have worked, but they, again, didn't elaborate on that either. So they had this whole idea of Emmett trying to replace Lee, they didn't go through with it, and then they gave him another backstory that's super generic, and they didn't go through that either. Which is a real shame, because I really felt like in the beginning, the opening sequence, uh, when we see the backstory, when we see the monsters landing on Earth, we, and we see Emmett and Lee interact, there are no hints of conflict between Emmett or Lee. Like there's nothing there. Like they interact a little bit and then they go off in their separate ways, right? So I, I don't know what the point of this backstory was. If you're gonna introduce Emmett as a character and then have this whole idea of, of of Regan pissed off because she thinks that Emmett is trying to replace her father, then we should see why she would believe Emmett is trying to replace her father. Like there's, and, there's, and to not have that in the movie but then present it through Regan's dialogue with Emmett is really confusing and really frustrating and it, for me it just felt like they just missed the boat on that so that's the biggest problem with the sequel like the emotional through line right uh, the other one is just the monsters it's themselves um, most of the time monster movies when they make a sequel you gotta give the monsters a buff you gotta make them stronger you gotta make them different you know or make them more by the end of the first movie Regan discovered that her hearing aid can be used as a weapon to cause the monsters to expose the flesh behind their head Um, and that's how they killed the monsters in the first movie right and the second movie is the same part two is still that it's still the hearing aid as a weapon now they want to find a radio station to amplify the signal yeah the problem is that then what I'm watching in the second movie is the same thing As the first movie like the monsters haven't gotten smarter. They haven't gotten deadlier uh, And it doesn't force the humans uh, the main characters to come up with new ways of fighting them They're just fighting them the same way they fought them in the first movie again, the moment-to-moment scares the sequences the crafting of the scenes still good Uh, very exciting very scary very tense But it's not new, and It feels stale, right? So generally, when you're writing a monster movie sequel, you need to give the monsters a buff. Like, you need to give them something else, Uh, like a new kind of monsters, more monsters, you know, like, they can't just be the same. And part two, like, they don't get any new powers, there aren't aren't any new, like, uh, bigger, badder monsters you know there aren't any like you know leveled up monsters it's the same and they still attack individually like there's never a scene where like uh, uh, like a lot of them attack there are a, there's a scene where like a couple of them attack at once but that's it you know in terms of elaborating on the world we talked about sequels should deepen the lore elaborate on the world and this movie kind of does that it presents like two ideas that Again, you know, the theme of this review is that this movie presents ideas and doesn't follow through with them, right? The first new idea that this movie presents uh is these um scavengers, hunters that live on the marina. Uh they seem to have gone crazy and they're hunting survivors. Um I, I say they're crazy because from their facial expressions and their eyes, they have this red circle around their eyes I don't know if they are crazy or if they're eating people or if they're eating the monsters I don't know what's going on. They present that as a pretty big threat But then the problems they create for the plot is resolved pretty quickly You know and and that's it and they're like, and they're pretty weak as well And I think this is another missed opportunity because they could have been a constant source of uh, antagonism for the heroes for our main characters in addition to the monsters right like because the monsters didn't get anything new so they could have added in human elements uh, human pro- human problems human antagonists for our heroes to fight but again they didn't do that the second idea is this uh, island where like the monsters couldn't get to so the island uh, is untouched Um, by the monsters right because the monsters can't swim apparently which again is a huge problem not because they can't swim but because this is a huge nerf to the monsters right like we talked about in sequels you need to give the monsters a buff because humans have already figured out how to fight them in the first movie so they need to level up in the second movie not only does the sequel not give the monsters above they give it a huge nerf by having them not be able to swim on a planet that like is what 70 something percent water like this is not as huge of a problem as it was back in like science in 2002 but like you know that was ridiculous but it's still an outrageous choice like it's still just the just a bad decision to have them not be able to swim like yeah You can you can avoid it. You can just not mention it don't mention that they can't swim But because they want this whole thing of like this of the island the untouched island They had to make it where like these monsters couldn't swim, right? And I just don't understand this choice because because you're giving the monsters a nerf, right? And then you're giving us in exchange you get this uh, island But then this island doesn't do anything for you. All it does is have another big star actor you know on the island waiting for the the Emmett and Regan to arrive and then he dies like immediately so I don't like I just don't understand um that trade-off right like in when you're writing a movie or you're writing a script it's all about making choices and sacrifices right like you gotta know that if you want this thing in your movie in your script you most likely have to give up something else and to have an island that doesn't do anything for you and to give up the monster's power, in my opinion, is a terrible decision. And it's something that I don't know how, I don't know why. Like I just can't understand what they were thinking with this island thing, it's just ridiculous. The takeaway for these two world building failures for writers is that more is not better. Like, better is better, right? Like, movies need focus. Like, you don't add in elements Willy-nilly because you think of oh, giving the audience newer things or more things will make them like the movie more It's not that it just dilutes the whole experience, right? Like they should have spent more time on the Emmett Regan Emotional storyline because that's what most of the plot is is Emmett and Regan going on in dangerous adventure trying to find the radio station to amplify Regan's hearing aid weapon signal. So instead of having this like uh, Island and then having the scavenger hunter people um, They should have focused more on the Emmett trying to replace Lee backstory and then focusing on the emotional connection between Regan and Emmett them hating each other where Regan hating Emmett and then coming to terms with him not accepting him as her father necessarily but accepting him as an important figure as a man in her life that's you know that she she needs to have around or she wants to have around yeah so that's my review of A Quiet Place Part 2 overall good experience lots of fun more of the same from the first one so if you just looking to have a good time in the theaters or watching at home you know you want a good scare want some good uh, intense scenes good sequences yeah this movie is fine already part three is greenlit so you know obviously people like this uh ip they like this uh world these characters the story um so hopefully in the next sequel they will uh, do more of what we talked about here Alright guys, so until next time, I will see you later.